The parrot continues to discuss the halachas of shomrim, of guards, who are given somebody else's item to look after. And the Mishnah writes, One who gives his friend, meaning he gives somebody else, produce for them to look after for him. Now, ideally speaking, it is forbidden for a shomer to mix that produce with his own produce. Let's say he received lots of wheat from the owner of the wheat which he's looking after, and he also has lots of wheat so he mixes it together, that is forbidden ideally. The mission discusses a case where nevertheless the shomer mixed it together and now he comes back to give the wheat back to the real owner. He minuses the amount that generally goes down from the produce and is generally diminished from the produce over time. And that could have been for a variety of reasons. For example, the mice would eat the produce. So the amount that the mice would generally eat, he can minus that off the amount that he's giving back to the owner. And the mission now gives examples for the amount that different produce would go down and the amount that would be eaten by mice over a year. Lachetim v'lo'erez for wheat and for rice. Tishas chatzoi kabin lakar. Nine half kav per every kar. A kar is 30 sa'ah. And there are six kav in a sa'ah. So 30 sa'ah, a kar, is equivalent to 180 kav. So nine half kav out of 180 kav is the same as four and a half kav out of 180 kav. So four and a half out of 180 is the same as one fortieth or two and a half percent. The regular amount which the mice would eat from produce is two and a half percent of it. So if you mixed in the person's wheat with your wheat and you come to give back his wheat, you need to give him back 97.5% of what he gave you because anyway the mice would have eaten 2.5% of it. For barley and for doichan, which is known as millet, another grain, tishas kabin lakor, that's 9 kav per kor. So that would be 5%. La kusmin lozera pishton for spelt and flax seed, that is even more. That is sholosh in la kar, three sa'a per kar. So we said that there are 30 sa'a in a kar. So that means that three sa'a would be 10%. And says the Mishnah, at least according to this opinion, ha everything goes according to the amount that there is, meaning however many kars there are, for each kar, this amount would be taken off. So if, let's say, there are three kur of produce, of wheat, so two and a half percent of the entire mixture of the three kur would be minused off of the amount that he needs to give back to the owner. And additionally, it all goes according to the amount of time that the shomer is looking after it. The measurements which we gave are for each year. So if he's looking after it for a number of years, then they wouldn't just take off two and a half percent, but every year they would take off another two and a half percent. However, Omar Yechem ben Nuri, Yechem ben Nuri said, Why do the mice care? Meaning, Surely the mice eat the same amount, whether there's lots of produce or a small amount of produce. If you put more produce there, it's not going to cause the mice to eat more. Ella, rather, according to You'd only minus off the amounts which we listed for the first car. So if they've got a mixture of produce which is 10 car, for one of those 10 car, you would minus 2.5% of it. But for the other 9 car, you would have to give back the owner the entire 9 car. Now the truth is, the opinion of the Chachomim, of the Tanakama, is that it's not so simple. The more produce which there is, the more which is generally lost. It could be the the mice will call other rice, other mice to come along and there'll be more mice eating from it. Alternatively, because there's so much produce, so more of it gets spoiled or left behind or spread out. 
And that is why these amounts should be minus from the entire mixture. Rabbi Huda Rabbi Huda says, If there was a very large amount of produce, then they wouldn't minus off these amounts which generally get diminished, because in this case it's quite the opposite, because they actually increase. Interestingly, the Gemara says that if the amount of produce is at least 10 kar, that's considered a large amount, you wouldn't need to minus any of it at all. Reason being that the time of year which they would generally deposit and give the shomer the produce to look after would be in the summer where the grain is dry. And then when it came to the winter, when the grain was more moist, then they would collect their produce back. Which meant that when it was moist, the grain would have expanded a bit due to becoming moist. So the amount that the mice would generally eat would be made up by the amount which the produce actually expands and becomes bigger in the winter, but this effect would only really be if there's lots of produce together. Mishnah Ches is a continuation of the previous Mishnah, they should minus a sixth of the wine. In general, the barrels of wine would, would absorb lots of the wine, so you would never actually end up getting the full amount of wine. And also the wine dregs, the part of the wine which becomes hard and is left at the bottom. That is also another reason to minus off the amount that you give back. says it's actually a fifth of the wine, and Rabbi Huda's not arguing in reality. They're not arguing on what the facts are. Rather, the Gemara explains that in Rabbi Huda's town, the barrels were made out of a material which would absorb more. Alright, continues the Mishnah. They would minus three loig of um, oil for every 100 loig. So 3% loig mechza shmarim, one and a half loig for the harder parts of the oil, the part which would get hard and be left at the bottom, and loig mechza bela, one loig and a half of the oil which is absorbed into the container. Now, because that is the reason, the Mishnah says that in Mahoyashem Zukok, if the oil was totally pure, and as a result there would be no harder parts of the oil, and they wouldn't lose out because of that, so anyways, loig shmarim, they wouldn't minus that amount for the harder parts of the oil. And so only one and a half loig for the amount which was absorbed into the container of the oil, only that would be minused. And the Mishnah says, if the jugs which were holding the oil were old, and therefore they had already absorbed lots of oil, so they no longer absorb more oil, then they wouldn't minus that amount corresponding to that which is absorbed by the container. Now Rabbi Huda adds, Rabbi Huda says, Even one who sells his friend pure oil, which doesn't have any of the hard bits, and he sells it to him for the entire year. We're talking about a situation where somebody does a deal with somebody else that he's going to provide him for oil for a year, but he doesn't give it to him in one go, he gives it to him bit by bit over that whole year. And the deal which they did was that he would give him regular oil. Now, in a case where he would give him regular oil, let's say the deal was that he would buy, he bought from him um, 20 loig of regular oil. He would end up getting slightly less than 20 loig because of the amounts which are generally diminished for the wine being absorbed or for part of it becoming hard. But what happened in this case is that the person who, is se- who sold him the oil ended up giving him perfect oil where none of it became hard. So he would actually, the buyer would actually benefit from 20 full loig of oil. Says the Mishnah, according to Yehuda, the buyer accepts upon himself that the seller will minus from the amount that he's supposed to give him one and a half loig per every 100 loig because of the part of the oil which would generally turn hard. 
because the understood deal between them is that the buyer would end up benefiting from less than the full amount which he paid for. So if he ends up getting oil which would allow him to benefit for the full amount, that's actually more than what was understood between them in their deal. And therefore, if the seller gives him this special oil, he would actually need to give him less because he can minus off one and a half percent of that which he agreed to sell him. Mr. Tess, if somebody steals something, then until he has returned that item to the owner, he's responsible for anything which will happen to that item, even if it is out of his control. What happens if he returns it to the owner without telling the owner that he has returned it to him? The answer is, it's a machloikas, according to Rabbi Ishmael. He would no longer be responsible for what happens, and it's considered to be that he's fulfilled the mitzvah of returning the stolen item. However, according to Rabbi Akiva, it's not so simple, and he would still be responsible until the owner finds out that the item has been returned to him. Now, interestingly, the first half of our Mishnah, although it's not stated explicitly, goes according to Rabbi Ishmael, and the second half of our Mishnah goes according to Rabbi Akiva. Another important word of introduction is that a shoimer... We've already seen that because a shomer is not able to use the item, rather he can only, he guards the item, so he is gaining less from the item, he's not like a shoyel, someone who's borrowing the item, and because of that, his responsibility over the item is less, since the main benefit of this entire arrangement is the owner's benefit. So if something happens out of his control, which causes the item to be lost, the shomer would not be liable to replace it. However, a shomer who uses that item for his own benefit That is forbidden, he's not able to do that, he's only supposed to guard this item. So if he uses the item, then he is considered to be a thief, and the same discussion which we just had between Rabbi Yishmael and Rabbi Akiva would apply to this person, he's a regular thief. And so the Mishnah says, He's somebody who gives his friend a barrel to look after for him. And the owner didn't designate a specific place for where he wants the barrel to be. He is able to do that. If he does that, then we view it as if he's sort of renting a part, a specific part of the Shomer's property. But the point is, he didn't do that. So in terms of the Shomer's responsibility, he's able to put the barrel anywhere he likes, as long as it is guarded. But yeah, so maybe he put it down somewhere, and then Vatiltala he moved the barrel, and then Vanishbra it broke. So the Mishnah says, and we're talking about a case where it broke out of his control. It was not his fault that it broke. Says the Mishnah, if it broke as he was moving it in his hand, if he was moving it for his own benefit, that means that he is considered to be a shoyal shalomidas, somebody who is borrowing the item, using it for his own benefit without the permission of the owner. And as we said, he's considered to be a thief, and therefore, even though that which happened to the barrel was out of his control, he is responsible to pay for it, so Chayev, he is liable, Lutzarkar. Lutzarkar, however, if he was moving the barrel for the sake of the barrel, in order that it be guarded properly, so then he's just fulfilling his role as a shomer. he's not doing it for his own benefit, so in that case, Potter, he would indeed be exempt. Now says the Mishnah, what happens in Mishehenicha Nishbara? If after he put it back down, then it broke out of his control, whether he moved it for his own benefit or for the benefit of the guarding of the barrel, Potter, who would be exempt because we're going according to Rabbi Ishmael, that the owner doesn't need to know that he returned the item in order for the thief to become exempt again. So as soon as this person put the barrel back down and he's no longer using it, so according to Rishmael, he would be no longer responsible if something out of his control happens to that item. And in terms of being a thief, he's not responsible at all anymore. The only reason why he would still be responsible is because he is a, a shomer, 
And since this person is only a shomer and guarding it, so he is exempt for something which happens out of his control. The reason why the Mishnah talks about a case where the owner didn't designate a place for it to be specifically, even though even in that case the law would be exactly the same, is just in order to say even in this case. Even in this case where the person put it back in a place where it wasn't originally supposed to be. Since at the end of the day he's fulfilling his role as a shomer, so it's considered to be that he has returned the stolen item as it were and he would be exempt. Alright, now what happens if this time the owner did specify a place for it to be specifically, and then the tiltal of Nishbara, the person moved the barrel and it broke. Whether it broke as he was using it or even after he put it back down, says the Mishnah Tsarkai, if when he moved it, he moved it for his own benefit, then Chayev, he is liable even once he has put it back down. Because now the Mishnah goes according to Akiva, that before the owner knows that the stolen item has been given back, the thief is still liable. And therefore, since he was a thief, even once he's put it back down, he would still be liable if something out of his control happens. Of course, we're discussing a case where the owner doesn't know that he did it and then he put it back down. Let's but if it is for the sake of the barrel that he moved it, then Potter will be exempt because he never became a thief. Rather, the opposite, he was fulfilling his role as a shomer. Now, even though, again, in this case, the same law would apply if there was not a specific place for the barrel to be, the Mishnah talks about that case because the point is that even in that case, where the Shomer put it back in the exact same place as it had been until now, he would still be liable because this goes according to Biakiva. Mr. Yudam, Afkid somebody who gives his friend money for him to look after on his behalf, Tsuraran, and this Shomer wrapped the money up in some sort of cloth, tied up the cloth with Shilon Lachirov and he hung the cloth, the sort of sack of money, behind his back, sort of over his shoulder. Or he gave over the money to his young son or daughter, who had not yet considered to be responsible enough to guard something. And he locked the door behind them, but not enough. So it's still easy for some, some thief or something to come in or for the money to be lost. The point is, he didn't guard it properly. Even though we're talking about a Shomer Chinom, somebody who is guarding the item and not being paid to do so, so he has the least amount of responsibility, what he did here is not considered to be guarding it properly at all, and therefore even he would be Chayev. Because he did not guard it in the general way that is accepted that a guard guards something, and looks, off, uh, and looks after it. However, if he looked after it like the general custom of guards to look after it, what is generally considered accepted, so then Potter who would be exempt. So this is just giving examples of where even a Shemachinon would be liable if he does not guard the item as he should do.